Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Writer's Routine. Hello, this is the podcast where we take a look at a creative person's working day to see how their diary can help out our own. Now today, it's the turn of the crime thriller author or domestic noir writer, as she's kind of given herself the moniker. She's coined her own genre, Julia Crouch. It's quite a good, a little bit rambly, but very specific and nuanced chat today. We chat about how her working day involves going on Twitter, then getting off Twitter, then going on Facebook, then getting off Facebook, and how actually she thinks that's perfectly productive for an independent freelance writer. Also, we learn the the two things that she needs to start every story, and we find out how she came up with that completely new genre to define her books. I call it domestic noir. I coined the phrase, um, which has kind of actually got me quite a lot of work over the years, which is fantastic. There are people doing PhDs in domestic noir now. I was being sold as psychological thrillers and thriller didn't quite, quite express what my novels are about because they're about I'd say at the very bottom line they're about the terrible things we do to one another in the name of love plus we've got some very exciting news to start stay there it's on in a sec on this week's writer's routine Hello, yes, welcome back, welcome along. My name is Dan Simpson. Thank you so much for being there. It's another episode of Writer's Routine. And it's been a big week since the last time I saw you. I discovered that this show has been nominated for a British Podcast Award. I know. Imagine the kind of mild shock and surprise that you're feeling right now. Well, times that by about 7,000, give or take, and then you'll be somewhere around how I'm feeling right now. Uh, We're up for Best Culture, along with some fantastic shows, which makes it even more amazing. And I know it kind of sounds a bit trite, but honestly, just to be nominated as the Best Culture podcast, one of the the, the best gatekeepers of of, of the culture in the UK, uh, in podcast form anyway, is just massive for us. If you think I've only been doing this show for around six months and it makes all those hours slaving away over emails, uh, getting in touch with publishers, reading books and editing the interviews, it just makes it so worthwhile. Now, the winner is decided by some educated judges from the industry, but there is an audience award which you can help me out with. Right, you can vote uh, for your favourite podcast in the Listener's Choice Prize. 
let's be honest, really, there's not a cat's chance in that evil, fiery, hot place um, <laughs> that we're actually going to win that. I think Kermo de Mayo probably have it sewn up. I know they won it last year. Still, wouldn't it be nice to make a dent in Wittertainment, eh? Uh, you can see all the nominations, and if you do want to vote for us in that Listener's Choice Prize, you can do that over at BritishPodcastAwards.com. You don't really even need to vote. I mean, I don't mind. You can if you want. Just get to the website and have a look open-mouthed, wide-eyed at Writer's Routine on the Best Culture nomination page and be like me for a second, just wonder how we possibly managed it. So today's guest sharing her Writer's Routine, it's the domestic noir author, Julia Crouch. Julia, her career's been pretty varied. I think it's a fair way to describe it. She's done many things, but they've all involved methods of telling a story. If that's on a page using words, on a page using drawings and designs. You see, she started as a theatre director, then she worked as a graphic designer uh, and then an illustrator before finally taking a creative writing course. And now she has published five books, all in her self-coined domestic noir genre. And in this chat, we'll focus mainly on her most recent book. It's called Her Husband's Lover. So you can find out the first idea that Julia had for that story and how she fleshed that out and developed it, plotted it into a 400-odd page novel. Also, we'll get a top writing tip that may change the way that you work forever in just a bit. It's all about making your stories funnier today and urging you not to take the lazy option when you're writing down a joke. So that's on the way in a sec. First, let's get into today's writer's routine with domestic noir author Julia Crouch talking about the place where she normally works. So the place I normally sit down to write uh, is in a shed at the bottom of the garden. It's kind of shed with knobs on, really, because I had it built. I used to be a graphic designer and I had one exceptionally good year and it, I, I was working in the, the, ed, the, the end of our bedroom. That was my... And graphic design makes an awful amount of mess. So my husband said, well, why don't you just spend some of that money you've earned on building yourself a studio in the garden? And it was back when... It was back... This is about, this is about 15 years ago. And... They weren't a thing then. They are now, aren't they, garden studios? But they weren't. So we had one of the first kind of that were made by this firm. It was almost like a prototype. So it was quite cheap. I sit at my desk and um, I've got a whole load of messy shelves at the back which are full of books and I'm not very organised and I'm not very tidy and I kind of put little knickknacks and things that I gather on my travels up there as well. And in front of me, I'm looking through a window. There's some trees directly in front of me and quite often at this time of year it's very distracting because there's lots of nesting birds so me and the two cats Keith and Sandra sit and watch the birds quite a lot for different reasons uh, yes yes with yeah. very different attitudes <laughs> <laughs> I'm far less tense and twitchy <laughs> far less hungry are. as well yeah. I'd imagine uh, you mentioned there that you used to work in graphic design yep. you've worked in many different ways of storytelling I'd yes. say we'll get to yep. that in just yep. a sec the show's called writer's routine yeah let's talk through yours then the okay. moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed on oh a day gosh. of writing what goes on I don't care how boring and inane some of the details are okay. I want to hear them okay so um I'll, I'll preface all of this by saying I'm not I'm not a creature of habit, which you can probably tell by my eclectic CV. I kind of I'm I'm, I'm not very good at, I'm very good at, s- at setting resolutions and I'm not very good at sitting uh, sticking to them. So so I will always I, I get up and I, I the cats just accompany me throughout my life. So I, I lift them off me <laughs> in the morning when I wake up. Sometimes my husband's there; he works away a lot, but sometimes he's not. 
If he's there, he'll get up and make me a cup of tea. If not, I go down and make myself a cup of tea. And I make one for my son, Joe, who's the, my last child at home. He's 18, doing his A-levels. Sometimes it's a little bit earlier because I go to a 6.30am yoga class. I love starting the day like that um, because you get home at 7.30, you have some breakfast and you've done your exercise for the day, which is very important if you sit on your backside all day as a writer. So, so something to get me moving and then... If I'm five chewing, I'll skip breakfast. <laughs> oh, is that still a thing? It's still a thing. Well, there you go. It's still a thing. It's very, I mean, again, you know, it's kind of the battle of kind of the sedentary job, you know. Right, okay, you so. Sit, you sit on your backside and you don't do any, you don't do, don't do anything physical. And guess what? You put on weight. Right, so okay. So I have to really fight that, particularly ladies of a certain age, it gets harder <laughs> as well go upstairs put my clothes on do my makeup always do my makeup always put my clothes on because if I don't I don't feel like I'm working properly so that is important to me although some days if I'm feeling a bit kind of blur I'll do something which feels incredibly decadent and naughty which is not get up go or or get up do the yoga have the breakfast and go back to bed and work in bed and I was actually talking on Twitter with Sophie Hanna about this Mm over the weekend and Amanda Sue Heller who's both both other crime writers we were saying how we actually how actually the the working in bed thing is a bit of a strategy because you feel like you're skiving but in fact you're working you're producing as much work as you would sitting at a desk but you feel like you're kind of you're being naughty to yourself you're kind of you're styming your own work ethic that's a really interesting point in the and it shows the complexities of, of, a, of a creative's brain mm. in that you know that you're tricking yourself. Yes. Yet you're still letting yourself trick yes. yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> it's almost inception there. We can run back and forward. I, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, so what, yeah. So what time are we now? When you, when you, when you sit down well, to write, when you've done your makeup, maybe you're still in bed. Yeah, what time nine, are we sitting nine, down? 9.30. Uh, I'd like to start earlier. Sometimes I do. If I go to this early morning yoga class, I often do start sort of more like 8.30. And then wouldn't it be great if I just said... I get down to work straight away but of course I don't and I, I kind of I sit it's social media which I'm sure lots of writers talk about on your on your program social media is kind of it's 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 as a writer you're supposed to have a social social media profile you're supposed to have a, you know a good twitter following you're supposed to have a facebook page you're supposed to have a blog possibly and and, and, a, and a kind of up-to-date actively maintained website so I'm, I'm good at the first two, the Facebook and the Twitter and the actively maintained website, because I have a background as a website designer. I do it myself. So it's a bit of a builder's house, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, so, so, so I don't have work colleagues. So my water cooler, cooler moment is, is Facebook. So I check in, see what people are doing. And I'm kind of, I've always been quite open about what I put on there. So I'm not worried about, you know, my data being stolen or anything. Because there's nothing there that I wouldn't want anyone in the whole world to, to see or know about. So I do my emails, I do a little bit of checking on social media, take a couple of photographs of the cats and put them on Twitter. Cats, my, my cat tweets, hashtag Keith. Uh, um, are the, is it more successful uh, than, so than successful. is it more successful than her husband's lover <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so okay right yeah. so you know if I put Keith sitting on her husband's lover I'll get so much more traction than if I just put her husband's lover up there that sounds, that sounds a bit rude doesn't it's it it's a good, good form of marketing it's <laughs> yeah, fine yeah yeah so um, I put on freedom you know the internet blocking app the, I, the no, height, I didn't, I didn't height, know this the height of decadence okay I pay 
to be online. I have a router, I have a fast broadband connection, you know, I have, you know, all of this gizmos. And then I buy a program to stop me having access to that. You know, there's a switch. As in, you know, you could just walk around to your broadband and turn it off at the wall. Because other people in the house rely on it. So I can't, I can't do that. So it's great though, because, because you do, you know, you do very concentrated work. And so some days I'll go, right, it's five hours. I brace myself. I used to be a playwright um, in my 20s and early 30s. I remember I had this, I had a, a wonderful commission for what seemed like untold riches of about £2,000 to write a play when I was about 29. And I went, I rented a room in a friend's house, had a big house, she was a jewellery designer, she worked from downstairs. And I rented an attic room there. And I remember that as the most blissful period of my life because all I had up there was my, my old Amstrad PCW. <laughs> and no, in, of course, because there wasn't much internet. Well, there wasn't any internet. There wasn't any, I'm that old. There wasn't any internet back then. And um, I just spent my days up there writing with no distractions at all, just an, an empty room with a desk, PCW. And... Um, and then, you know, I go down at coffee time, lunch time and tea time and have coffee, tea, lunch with the jewellery designers and makers and then go back upstairs again. So it's perfect. So you had that little bit of social interaction, but you had the, those very concentrated times on your own. I tend to work in bursts of about an hour. Um, and after that, I kind of need to get up, usually to make it, I, and usually I just get up and make myself a cup of tea. The cats can be a bit distracting because they literally do lie on my keyboard. They, they, they seem to, you know, because they know that's where you're concentrating. So sometimes they break my concentration. But I'm quite good at kind of cutting off the outside world and just kind of really zoning in and just getting lost. And, and that's, that's such a great thing. And then you look up and you go, oh, has that much time gone? But I can only do that if I'm offline. I can only do that if I'm offline. Because if I don't, when, I, when I'm on... Sorry, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going on and on about it. But when I'm online... If I get to a bit that's difficult, I'm almost like it's sort of Pavlovian. I just go straight and check my emails because it's easier than, than facing the difficult bit. So I'll work in bursts for about an hour, get up, make a cup of tea, shake myself around a bit, go back and, and sit down and, and, and do another burst. And um, I'm good for that if I'm working at that sort of rate. I'm good for that for about three hours. And is, is that when writing stops for the day, then after about three hours? I tend to have, a, when I'm drafting, it's, it's always, it's, it's different, isn't it, for each stage of the process. But when I'm drafting, I'll have an idea of where I'm going. It's, there's, there's, a, there's that wonderful E.L. Doctorow quote, which goes, um, uh, writing is like driving a car at night. You know where you've come from, you know where you're going, but you can only see as far as the headlights will let you. And in a way, that's, how, that's the ideal writing scenario for me, where you're just in that wonderful, joyous stage of just making stuff up. How much do you want to get done in a day? Okay, so my, Is it word count? Is that what yes, you're following? Yes, word count. Word count. So 2,000 words when I'm drafting. I, I'm a very quick touch typist, which helps, although I now have an RSI in my hand, which I'm going to the hand clinic about next week. I'm very excited. Um, I've been playing around with voice recognition software dragon dictate so really repetitive strain is 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 that bad yeah wow yes so so it's my right thumb which is the one i press my the the space bar with so if you're doing two thousand words a day that's 
that's just on the that's just on the writing not the social media that's kind of like 2000 of identical movements with your thumb um, i never thought about that yeah. so if you're writing i don't know four days a week that's yeah. eight thousand times you're pressing your thumb to a keyboard yeah. and then you're when you're on yeah, and twitter then, and yeah. facebook yeah. and stuff as well i never yeah. never thought about the uh, the invisible pains of the writer oh god we've all got them um I've got so many friends that kind of have real difficulties. And so we have all these kind of expensive aids, things like things like Dragon Dictate, which isn't cheap, but it's a very good voice recognition. Sorry, it sounds like I'm on commission for that too. It's, it can be damn glitchy too and annoying. And it takes a while. You train it basically to recognise your voice. And, and then sometimes you forget to switch it off and your son comes in and goes, Mum, why is there no bread? And I go, well, go down to the bloody baker's yourself. And then you realize, so you've got all of that in your tent. Suddenly half your first draft is a shopping list. Yeah. yeah. The, the things that get me going are a big what if. And um, the other thing is a usually a place. So my what if was... Um, what if you wanted to try and completely erase your past life and start completely anew but you couldn't because something like a thorn was sticking through the membrane you'd built between the two lives um and i also had this image of a girl causing the death of her entire family by arguing with her father who was driving on a phone because she was she's principled and she wasn't going with them because of a principled reason that didn't actually find its way into the into the final draft of the book, but that's where it started. And the other thing was the place, which was Elephant and Castle, which, as I said, uh, my, my my adult kids live there. And um, and the, at the time, there was a whole load of social cleansing going on. They were knocking down the Haygate estate, a big council estate, basically moving all the poor people out of the borough, out of out of central London. Is out doing Canary Wharf now for tall buildings in Elephant and um, you know the social housing quota has gone right right down and we're, you know there's a nice big Sainsbury's now we're wondering when the Waitrose is going to arrive they're going to knock down the lovely shopping centre it's all changing and so that's almost like there is a whole kind of group of people that have been erased so it seemed to me like the, that that going on at the same time as my character is trying to kind of erase her past, it's an erasure of the past as well. So anywhere you walk in this city, you're going to be walking on layers of lives and experiences and history hidden underneath. And while I was writing it, also Crossrail was going on. So, you know, they were digging up old plague pits and stuff. So, you know, all of that, that exciting stuff about what lies underneath the city streets that's what you need to write a story you need that first initial what if are you sitting down consciously thinking right i need another book what do i need to do what if or, or do these things just come to you well they come to me and and, and as i say they take you know the, the first ideas come way before i actually start doing the book so at the moment i've got three book ideas on the go there's one that's kind of quite developed i'm on a structural edit for the first draft um and then i've got one that's kind of roughly mapped out in my mind and one that's kind of like, that was a first draft a long, long time ago. I'm now revisiting it because I think it could make quite a, quite an interesting story. It needs a lot of work, obviously, because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. So I've got those three things. And I always like to kind of have a, that amount of ideas in the, in the pot. But I always have a notebook with me at all times. And, and if an idea strikes me as something that might be a good idea, just jot it down. Never look at the notes. But once you've written it, 
it goes in and it starts it, festering. It's gone in there. Yeah. So let's just to kind of get down to the actual, like the nub of what you do. Yes. Let's focus on her husband's lover. Yes. So you've got that initial idea. Yes. What happens if someone wants to erase their life, but something's stopping yes. it happening? That's your what if. You've yes. got your place. What are you then doing with it? How are you then well, plotting it? How are you storyboarding? Her lover is an interesting case in point, actually, because what happened with that was I wrote a whole novel and it was wrong. It was wrong and I kind of knew it was wrong, but, um, but I needed my editor to say it was wrong first. And it was wrong not because it was a bad novel, but because it was kind of, this sounds awful, but it wasn't a Julia Crouch novel. It was kind of dystopian it had a cult and it was in the in the kind of immediate future where London was falling apart and all the infrastructures were crumbling. So I'd taken that kind of dismantling of Elephant and Castle to kind of its logical conclusion. Um, but uh, but it's, it was an area that I'd never written in before as Julia Crouch. So, so what happened was we had a, a long chat about it. So that had been a year to write that wrong novel. I picked it apart into two things. And one is a young adult trilogy, which, I'm, which is one of the ideas I'm working on now. And the other one became Her Husband's Lover, which was the backstory, which is the Sophie story, the, the lover and, and the widow, and looked at that and developed that in a more kind of like present-day domestic noir sort of scenario. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We shall get more from Julia Crouch in just a sec. Stay there. Now, very quickly, do you remember last week on the show, we read out uh, an iTunes review saying that listening to the inspirational advice from some of the authors that we've had on the podcast so far, it really helped the person get their bum into gear and start writing a story again that they'd finished telling years ago. Well, we've had a few more over on the iTunes podcast store. Because remember, if you tell me the story of how your story is starting again after you've listened to some tips from the writers we've had on the show, I'll probably read it out. Because one of the main reasons that I'm doing this podcast more or less every week is is it's incredible how advice and inspiration from successful people 
begets success and it breeds motivation. I love that about what we do here. So check this out. This is from Crime Writing Wannabe. They said that the show has really helped them to know that professionals suffer the same anxieties and problems as the rest of us. Exactly. That's what we're here for, crime writing wannabe. Thank you for getting in touch and leaving us a review on the iTunes podcast store. It's about letting you know that you're not alone and that no matter how brilliant the words on a page read when you've just finished a novel, the author, who you've just spent a few hundred pages being mesmerised by, they probably had all the same struggles and pangs and stressed nausea that we all do when we're writing. So do me a favour. If some advice that you have heard from a writer on this show has helped you out in your work. Maybe it's helped you start a story again that you've given up telling ages ago. Well, I'd love to hear it, please. It makes what we do really worthwhile. Now, the best way to do that is to leave it in the comment section of an iTunes review. And it's so simple to do. Find Writer's Routine on the iTunes podcast store, drop us five stars, leave us a review, and tell me your writing story there, please. Right, let's get today's writing tip that may change the way you work forever. It's quite a grandiose and brave title. I'm not sure if we ever really fulfil that promise. But still, this week, we're getting some short but sweet and slightly sarcastic, it has to be said, advice on telling jokes and making sure that the comedy that you're writing in your stories isn't lazy. Hello, I'm Peter Fellows. Um, I'm one of the writers of the film The Death of Stalin. I'm a fraud. I shouldn't be on this podcast. It's uh, it's for authors. I have um, have started writing a book. It's uh, I say started it. It was about it's about eight years ago that I started it. But it's um you know it's uh, it will never see the light of day. Anyway, my tip for writers is uh, basically keep rewriting. Not as long as I've been rewriting that book, obviously. You'll, you'll never finish a project. But, um, but uh, yeah, just, just rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. It can always get better. It can always get tighter. Um, it can always be funnier if you're trying to write comedy. Um, you know, trust your voice, but uh, just try and think further than the first stop on the comedy bus, which may not make sense unless you've listened to the last podcast. Thank you so much, Peter. If you liked that advice and you want more tips and tricks on writing screenplays from him and making them full of jokes by peppering them uh, with funny stuff, you can listen to the full interview with Peter Fellows, the co-writer on the fantastic film The Death of Stalin. It's last week's episode. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts from. It's Writer's Routine number 26. Let's get back then to our chat with domestic noir writer Julia Crouch. We're talking about her working day and what a Julia Crouch story needs to be as well. Now we pick things up with her latest story, Her Husband's Lover, and what she did to that original idea after it had cropped into her head. I did an outline. I did a very detailed outline. So this is interesting because it's the first time I've actually... Well, I've always done structuring at some point, and I do think that, you know, if you're writing a novel, you do need to do structuring. I do quite a lot of mentoring now of people who are developing their novels, and, and, and there's this wonderful bit where, you know, where it's kind of all very creative and you're producing material, and then at some point, usually about halfway through, I say to them, right, I just, you need to take stock of where you're going and what you're doing and look at the scenes and how they're all fitting together. So I do, th- I do that normally when I'm, when I'm writing but with, uh, with her husband's lover, what I did was I, I, I completely structured it. because Partly because I wanted to show my editor that, that I was doing something that could really, really work. 
and partly because I wanted to show myself that as well because you know it's it's it's, it's difficult having spent a whole year on something and then realizing that you've got to kind of almost go back to the beginning and uh, the thing that stuck in my mind that I really was uh, annoyed me a lot because I do have a different routine when I go on holiday me and my husband are both writers so and in fact you know me and my husband and and our daughter are writers so when we go on family holidays we kind of we writers never take a holiday really you just kind of change location what I do then is I wake up at five or six in the morning and will work for four or five hours before everyone else is up and ready to kind of go out and have fun so I've got the whole day ahead of me, but I've got a good chunk of work behind me. So we, we do that. And my husband and I have now, the kids are older, we take him to going away for a week, a writing week, where we do that, just the mm. two of us, which is lovely. But, you know, it's all process. It's not writing the wrong thing. It's not time wasted. There's a wonderful Dr. Seuss saying, which is it's, it's not a saying, it's in one of the books. I can't remember which one it is, but the way to find a certain something is to find out where it's not. So when you found out where it is, yes. and, and you sat there... Yeah, I've got my, I've got got, my plan. What, what does your outline consist of then? In okay. Simply in a formatting terms, is it chapter by chapter? How much is in each yeah. chapter? What's going on? Okay, so it's chapter by chapter. What happens? That's the most important thing. What happens? Because story is all about... Novels are all about what happens between characters. You, at that point, I've got my characters. I know who my characters... I always know who my characters are. I know them, like, they're kind of, they're just there, they just appear, they, I can see them. Um, but it's what happens, it's the kind of, it's the difficult bit, really. And getting the right order, showing the reader just the right thing at the right time, what you withhold, what you give as information. I've always outlined using Scrivener. Mm-hmm. I'm a great fan of Scrivener. I always do my first drafts, well, up to about my second or third drafts in Scrivener. But I, I've... I've with the last one, I did it in real life, which was such fun, using real index cards. There's a wonderful book called Stealing Hollywood by Alexandra Sokoloff, an American screenwriter turned crime writer. And what she's done is taken the screenwriting lore she knew, L-O-R-E, not L-A-W, and then has applied it to useful lessons for novelists. So I, I and she's a friend and she's a great writer. And so I I used her her method. And so on the wall in my writing shed now, one whole wall is taken up by this massive cork board with lots of index cards, colour coded index cards with dots, various coloured dots for various colour coding. I get very into colour coding. I, I need those visual cues. And then I kind of have used bits of coloured embroidery thread to kind of work on timelines and things so it, it's quite elaborate but but I'm now restructuring and I'm sitting there because my, my my daily job at the moment is about taking apart the first draft and making it work as a second draft which is involving quite a few structural change well massive structural changes change the backstory change the age of the lead character uh, your protagonist but I'm excited because I know it's going to be a lot better um oh I think next week I'm going to take it down. That's such a big psychic step for me, such a big moment that I'm going, right, I'm now committing to the new. I'm doing it on Scrivener at the moment because I'm kind of still want to be very fluid about it, but then then I'm going to get down there with those index cards again. There's a book by Julie Myerson called Something Might Happen. And she's not sold as a crime writer, although a lot of her work is, has kind of crimey and mystery elements. And 
I can't say too much about it without spoilers, but in a way it's an anti-crime novel. The things that interest you aren't about who done it. It's about the ripples of a murder, the ripple of effect of a murder on a community. She's such a beautiful writer, beautifully written. That kind of made me understand about mystery, I think. You mentioned earlier about how you had to completely rewrite your novel because it wasn't a Julia Crouch story. Yes. What is? Okay, so so the the, the Julia Crouch brand so for what for for what that's worth is um, I call it domestic noir. I coined the phrase, um, which has kind of actually got me quite a lot of work over the years, which is fantastic. Um, and I've actually even written the foreword or a preface to a book of academic essays on domestic noir. There are people doing PhDs in domestic noir now. Um, I was being sold as psychological thrillers, and thriller didn't quite quite express what my novels are about, because they're about, I'd say at the very bottom line, they're about the terrible things we do to one another in the name of love. Um, it's about home being a place, instead of the refuge it should be, a place of way, way of fear and cruelty and viciousness can be found. The arc to it is kind of a reverse of the traditional crime novel in that the traditional crime novel starts with a disruption and then the... Uh, so, so, so imagine a police procedural. There's a murder at the beginning and then the detectives, the police, the other characters... And, and the reader kind of work together to, to restore order. So order is restored, not usually in modern police procedures, not completely, but kind of acceptably by the end of the novel. My novels tend to work in reverse. They start with a kind of seemingly perfect situation. And you know, I'm not alone in this at all. This is, this is a big trend now in, 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 in fiction. If you look at like the Sunday Times bestseller, list you know lots of those books will have this arc starts with a kind of seemingly perfect scenario and then gradually that is unpicked Mm. and usually someone at the end is worse off than they were at the beginning and that is it for this week thank you so much to julia for coming on the show and also for spending the thursday before good friday chatting about her books over a couple of glasses of champagne with me Uh, also thank you so much for listening if you've been inspired at all by julia's work and you want to read some of it yourself where you can find a link to all of it over on our website which is writersrouting.com and also while you're online Well, you can do a few things for me if you've got the time. Head over to the British Podcast Awards website where we are nominated for Best Culture and you can be as aghast and gobsmacked and wide-eyed staring at the competition that we're up against in the ceremony at the end of May as I was when I finally found out. You can also vote for us in the Listener's Choice Award there if you fancy. It's dead easy to find. Uh, We're on there with a multitude of other fantastic podcasts which you can also vote for them. If you're a heathen and a traitor, uh, it's all at BritishPodcastAwards.com. And also, please tell me your writing story. How the words and advice from the authors on this show have helped you out. The easiest way to do that is to tell me your tale in a review uh, over on the iTunes podcast store. Leave five stars as well. 
it's really going to help your chances of getting read out. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You can keep up to date with everything that we're doing over at writersroutine.com. We've got another crime writer on the show next week. Sarah Ward will be on, telling us how she drew on and mined uh, to the depths of a pretty harrowing childhood experience for her first novel. They do say write what you know after all. That's Sarah Ward on next week's Writers Routine, and I'll see you then. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 